If you have your Bibles, won't you please take them out? And uh, we'll be continuing with our uh, study of the book of Philippians. We'll be looking at uh, Philippians chapter 2. And verse 2 is the scripture for today. But I'll start at uh, verse 1 so that it um, makes sense. Philippians chapter 2 verse 1 says this. Therefore, if there's any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any affection and mercy, verse 2, fulfill my joy by being like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. Another translation puts it this way. Um, verse 2. Then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. As you know, this is Paul right to the Philippians, uh, the Philippian church, and him encouraging them how to outwork their lives as Christians. As we heard this morning, uh, Henrik was encouraging this lady who is a believer, and um, he was encouraging her to live your life out the way it ought to be lived, in a way that glorifies God. So Paul here is encouraging the church. He has appealed to four things that the Philippians have experienced from verse 1. Four uh, four things that God has already done uh, for them. We learned from verse 1 that there is, we find encouragement in being united with Christ. So us just being united with Christ, there's automatically encouragement. Marisa said, was speaking about anchor. Who's your anchor? God, Jesus Christ is our anchor. That in itself is an encouragement. We learned that there is relief that comes from love, from the love of of God and together. We learned, as the Philippians did, that the Spirit gives us fellowship. There is fellowship of the Spirit. There is fellowship of the believers together. And then we learned the fourth thing, that there is compassion and mercy in Christ Jesus. So Jesus has compassion. Jesus has mercy over us. He gives us His compassion. He gives us His mercy. And so we are to give our love, our compassion, and our mercy to those who do not know Him. Now Paul says here, if you have experienced these things, these four things, then make my joy complete or fulfill my my joy by being like-minded. And he proceeds to tell them how to work it all out in detail. Work out what has happened to them. He appeals to them to harmony. Remember, we've been almost uh, uh, concentrating on the, on the, on the, uh, the last chapter. has been speaking about unity. I had um, said that uh, in one of in Michael Eaton's commentary, he, his heading is um, unity, united. We need to be a united people. The people of God need to be united. Unity, unity. Because united we stand and, and divided we fall. 
So it's unity. Where we are united, we can move forward. So Paul um, appeals to these Philippians to a unity that brings harmony. He, his appeal is that they would develop four areas of harmony. Four areas of harmony. So we've spoken about unity and he continues to encourage us in that regard. And then he, he goes on to say, not just unity, we need to have harmony in our unity. He says that we are to be um, like-minded. We are to have the same love. We are to be of one accord and be of one mind. So he's speaking to the Philippians and this is how he, he's trying to help them understand how they're to live out their Christian lives in Philippi. And God would say the same to us this morning. How we are to live our lives here in Kilani Hatton. How we are to live this life here on earth in the 21st century with all the difficulties and challenges that we are faced with. How are we to be different? How are we to shine the light of Christ without even trying to? Without even trying to impose it upon people. No, no, people mustn't even, I mustn't tell you that, you, that I'm, I'm shining for Christ. You, you, the world has to just see it automatically. But how? There's work to be done. And so Paul tries to help um, his friends in Philippi as to how to work it out. He tries, uh, God will do the same um, to us or for us this morning. And so this is where he starts in verse 2. For full my joy... By being like-minded. Fulfill means to make full or to fill up. It came to mean in usage, fulfill, perform fully, whatever perform completely. Complete whatever needs to be completed. It comes to mean a Accomplish, accomplish that which you have started. So God has started a good work in us. Remember, he says that he who started a good work in you will bring it to completion. God is a God of completion. He does not start something that he does not finish. If he started a good work in you, he will bring it to completion. And so Paul encourages his, his friends as he's encouraging us this morning. Or the Holy Spirit is encouraging us through this, this word. This verb applies to all four characteristics believers are to form in our lives. Being like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, and being of one mind. And we see that the grammar indicates that we should act upon these four motivations from verse 1 decisively. Decisively. This is not something that you can just ease into. It takes a decisive decision or else we will continue to indulge ourselves in separation, in some sort of um, uh, act, in some sort of woe is me, in some sort of looking at me or look at me. I, I don't agree. And th therefore, there's some sort of separation that might, might come. So Paul says, um, his joy would be completed or accomplished if the Philippians would develop these four qualities of unity. They would fulfill Paul's joy. Now, I don't, don't know about you, but as I was reading, I, 
in my head with my human understanding and maybe my prideful way, I think to myself, but mean, Paul, who are you? What He says, make my joy complete by being like-minded. But I'm not serving you, Paul. I'm not, I'm not you're not Jesus. You, 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 you're but a man that God has called. And so I would think maybe you're asking yourself, but who are you, Joe? I'm saying, make my joy complete. My, my joy, Joe, joy, Joe, complete. This morning by being like-minded. And so you would ask yourself, but then who are you? What makes you so special? What makes you so special? So as I thought of that, I thought to myself, but hang on, Paul, we know his heart, and his heart was for the people. So if you know my heart, and I'm telling you to make my joy complete by being like-minded, you know that my heart is for you. I know that Paul's heart was for the people. He wasn't saying make his joy complete for his upliftment so that he can be better and greater than what he ought to be. No, no, he's saying make his joy complete as he sees his friends develop and follow Christ the way they ought to. And as he sees that, his joy then gets complete. He gets excited and happy to see that his friends are following Christ, that they are not observing um, the way of the world and kind of following in, in the, how the world does things. They're not shy to say, no, that is wrong. You don't do those things. And so the same will be for us this morning. So when I, you encourage me and I encourage you, it's not because you're trying to put me down or I'm trying to put you down, but it's because I want to see the best for you and I would imagine you want to see the best for me too and for, for uh, each other. So we are called to actually help one another. And as, we, as, as I see Heinrich living out the things that God has called him to, to live out, man, it makes me joyful. It makes me happy. As I see you uh, living this life that God has called you, the gifts that Yana God has given you on the piano there, we are delighted to see that happening. We thank God for those. We don't praise you for that. We thank God and praise Him. But we thank God that you are obedient and um, you, our joy is complete as we see you helping us worship Him with the gifts that He has given you. And the rest is true for us as well. Whatever gifts that God has given you, how are you using it to encourage us? And as we see you using the, your, the gifts that God has given you, man, the rest of us should all be excited and happy, happy, happy that you are actually fulfilling the things that God has called you to. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that amazing? It's not like, oh no, man, I'm better. My gift is better than yours. It does not matter what gift God has given you as long as you're using it for His glory. And as you do it for His glory, so then we get encouraged. And God help us when we are not being uh, excited for each other, but we are looking maybe down on each other. No, we have to be excited. When I see you moving forward, I'm, I'm to be excited for you. Not like the world. What does the world do? Yeah, the world does it in complete opposite. If I see my, my, my I'm allowed to call you Uncle Malcolm. So, uh, Malcolm, if I see him moving forward in the world, I'm saying, no, 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 not you. I want to be, be higher than you. And so I'm going to put you down. I'll do whatever I can to put him down so I can go up. 
That's how the world works. But not, not the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is the kingdom of opposite being. So when I am seeing, um, I'm going up, and I see Malcolm is not going up, and, and I can help him, guess what? I put myself down so I can help him to go up. And as I help him to go up, so God gets the glory. God gets the glory. Not me, but God. So Paul encourages the church to do these things, to be like-minded, to, so that um, his joy would be complete. Not out of a selfish place, but of a place of, of, of happiness, of seeing the people maturing, of seeing people grow up and fulfill the things that God has called them to. And so, Paul has spoken much about uh, the four areas we need to be aware of, like I mentioned earlier. And then he starts off by saying that, yes, unity is important, but it's not just unity. It goes beyond that. Unity goes with harmony. Unity goes with harmony. And the first earmark of unity is to be like-minded. And this means to think the same thing. There is a unity of attitude. Where minds are in tune, they are one in perspective. Later on in, in, the, in this book, chapter 4, we will see uh, Paul addressing um, some people within the church. And um, there were culprits who caused division, who caused separation, who caused um, uh, division within the church, uh, who caused disunity. And he addresses them. And this is what he says in, um, verse, in chapter 4, verse 2. He says, I implore Euadia and I implore Sentiki to be of the same mind in the Lord. These people were bitter in attitude toward each other within the church. Within the church. At our um, prayer time on, on Thursday, um, we were just discussing a few things, uh, we were praying for a, a few issues, um, and um, we, were, we just, the, the conclusion that we, we, we came up, or the thing that we saw was it, how sad it is when, we, when there's a division. And then we said, how, um, how sad it must be to God's heart when his children are divided. So there's division in the world. We know that. But then in the church, there's division. How sad that must make God. How sad that must, it must really, really sadden God. That you and I can be so upset with each other. We can have such strong opinions about certain things that we find division. We cannot come to unity because of our opinions. How sad that must be to God's heart. And so we need to pray. We need to look ourselves at ourselves and say, God, where am I being proud? Where am I being wrong? Show me. And then we have to be a people who are willing to 
accept what God says to us. Because it's one thing to ask God, show me the wrong that I'm in. And God will faithfully show you the wrong that you find yourself in. But it's another thing to have the ability to say, I am sorry. To repent of that wrong and change your direction. And I was just lamenting when I looked at the church at large and all the divisions that, that we see. People not talking to each other because of X, Y, and Z. People who are called children of God together. It's like families, families, mothers and fathers and sisters and brothers who don't talk to each other because there's, there's division, there's disagreement. Man, as the church of God, we should be different. And I don't talk to us like I've got it. I'm a culprit as well because I'm human and I need God to help me to, to drop my pride in many ways and actually say, you know what, I was wrong. I am sorry. And if you don't say that you're wrong and you're sorry, that's okay. I am free when I say I'm wrong and I am sorry. God works out what he needs to do through me. It takes a, a, a humble man to do that. A humble man who's up there perhaps to come down and say, actually, I was wrong and I am sorry. But that gives God the platform to work even more. The maturity starts to happen. Forgiveness starts to flow. Man, we need that. We need that. The term same mind used in chapter 4 and here is basically the same in Greek. It's the same in Greek. And so the question I have to ask, it says to have the same mind. So, in what sense are we to have the same mind? Are we to all think alike? Are we to be like these processed machines and make cookie-cut biscuits? We all think alike, and if you are out of, if you got one smarty, then the other, then you're wrong. Are we all supposed to be exactly the same? Are we not to have individual opinions about things? What does Paul mean? He's trying to help us work out these things, this, this harmony, this unity. How, what does it mean? Am I supposed to be, are you supposed to be thinking like me? Am I supposed to be thinking like you? And if we don't think alike, then we are not aligned? And that doesn't be glory to God? Surely not. Surely not. Obviously, this is not the meaning. The term mind means attitude. We are to be one in attitude, not in actual thoughts. Otherwise, we'll all be robots, isn't it? We'd all be the same. We're just going in, in one step. We're we all doing exactly what we ought to do. But no, no, God has given us free will to be as He has created us to be. He's given you a personality. He's given you likes. He's given you maybe dislikes. He's given you a love of something. That, that thing that you love, I not necessarily like. It's made us different. And this is what makes us so unique. As the body of Christ. You remember in Corinthians where the, the, the Bible speaks about it one body but different many parts. 
And when I've heard people say that when your pinky toe, toe is uh, uh, got a problem, <laughs> you, you know about it, isn't it? Like, when it's painful, your head knows about it. You know, we think we give, we give uh, more attention to when you have a headache because your head is your head. But when your pinky toe is, uh, is, is in pain, uh, maybe you don't really give it much attention. But actually, you will know. The body does not function as it ought to because that pinky toe is in, is in trouble. And so the same for us as a, as, as, as a church, as a, as, a, as a body of believers. We are different. Been given different talents. Been given different gifts. Different abilities. Those abilities have been given that we can sharpen each other. So we can encourage each other. So that we can walk together in unity that is in harmony. Which will then bring glory to God our Father. It is interesting that um, Paul's request begins with the mind. The mentality. He asks the Christians to have the same outlook on life. The same outlook on life. I was speaking to uh, two Sundays ago um, to someone, and uh, we spoke about the, the subject of unity as we've been covering that for a while now. And uh, he was saying there's this word that's called homogeneous um, in the Bible. And um, he says... Unity does not just only um, arise from us just being united in Christ. Yes, he's our foundation. Yes, he's our anchor. We are united because of Christ. But outside of that, there's more. There's more. He was saying to me that uh, homogeneous means that we get together because we have um, like-minded ways. So you find a church is, is, is good with family, so we are aligned together with the sake of family. Or there's a church that is, or people come together because they are bikers. They have one common thing, the bikes, and that will bring them together. Or running, or cycling, or these things that God has allowed us to have. Those make bring unity. Those bring unity. But the biggest unity that holds all unity together is Jesus Christ. It has been rooted and found in Him. So Paul asks the Christians to have the same outlook on life. In their convictions on the big things of life, they should be united. He says, set your mind on the same things. Set your mind on the same things, on the big things. They are unanimous that the, the gospel of Christ is God's way of salvation. There's no other way to God other through Jesus Christ. We are united in that. We agree on that. We don't have division uh, when it comes to that. We all know, they all know that life is temporary. That to live is Christ and to die is gain. Do we hold on to that? Do we agree that? Do we know that? That unites us. That makes us alike. There's harmony in that. So they ought to stand together in the knowledge that they have a common allegiance in furthering the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. They are to be one in mind. 
Christians will often have different opinions concerning the smaller matters of life. But on the bigger issues such as Jesus, such as obedience to the Holy Spirit, such as the issue about life and death, the big issue about sin, judgment, salvation, heaven, hell, and the like, we ought to be moving together in substantial agreement. Our Jesus-like mentality ought to be a matter of unanimity, unanimous, togetherness, togetherness. Is that hard for for you this morning? (laughs) Is it a hard statement to make? That you, my fellow brothers and sisters, that we are to be aligned, that we we are to have the same um, mind, we are to be like-minded, that we are to put the, the, the bigger issues of life, we are to be aligned, we are to be in agreement. But the smaller issues of life, yeah, we, we have differences, but that's okay. But those differences should not come in between us. It should not bring disunity. In fact, the small things that make us different should bring even more unity, even more uh, togetherness. Because then I appreciate the fact that you think differently. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm in the in engineering world, and um, I have the opportunity to speak to uh, engineers. And when I speak to them, you know, I, I'm not an engineer by, by profession or by, by qualification, um, but there's one thing I love about most of these engineers when I speak to them, the way they, they, they think. Man, they come with different angles. They come with different... So I'm going in one way, and they'll come with a different way. And I think to myself, I can see why you're an engineer. <laughs> I can see why you are where you are. I love your thinking. I didn't think of that, but that brings life. It, it makes sense. And so the difference is good. As long as we can appreciate it. As long as it's not saying, no, 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 uh, Mr. Heinrich is an engineer by profession. He comes with an engineering degree and all of... Uh, you think you're clever than me? <laughs> uh, no, you're not. You go sit there. No, no, I appreciate his, his, uh, whatever he brings. But then I would imagine, I would hope that he would appreciate the fact that I will bring my... Um, thoughts to the table, despite the fact that I'm not an engineer, and he appreciates that, and he can correct me and say, but have you thought of it this way? And I can say, I haven't thought of it uh, that way, but have you, Mr. Engineer, thought of it this way? But together we complement each other. Together we, we, we achieve that which is called, we are called to achieve, that which we need to achieve. And so it's the same for us as a body of Christ. We are different. We have different gifts and talents, but then we ought to not um, resist when others come with their ideas. We have to actually listen and celebrate those ideas and help them, encourage them in, that, in, in, those, in, in those ideas and what God has allowed them to, has given to them. 
So does that make you a little bit uh, uh, maybe uneasy? There's apprehension or you're more clever than I am. Actually, if it does, Lord, help you and help me. Actually, I want, I want us to be a people that celebrate each other's gifts. That celebrate each other's um, victories. And actually, when there are failures in inverted commas, we don't um, laugh at each other, but we encourage each other. We lift each other up again and say, hey, you tried it that way, it didn't work. Have you tried it this way? Let's try it in this direction. Let's work together for the furtherance of the gospel like Paul did. There he was in prison writing this uh, beautiful epistle to those who were free. Here we are free. How are we helping each other? And this issue about disunity and division within the church, I pray God helps us. God helps us, all of us, all of us, to the man who's on top of the, the bishop of bishops, to the saint of saints, that we are to be those who are not so proud. God opposes those who are proud. So the oneness of attitude comes from knowing the Lord and His revelation through His Word. The fact that I can appreciate your difference, your thinking, is because I am close to God, because I am aligned, I'm, I'm following God. It's not because I am so humble, or no, no, it's because of God. So the closer we are to Him, our Lord and Savior, the closer we are to one another. Let me say that again. The closer we are to Him, the closer we are to one another. So in fact, what I'm trying to say here is, don't try to get close to me in your own strength. I won't try to get close to you with my own strength. Try to get close to him first. And as you get close to him, so he allows you to get close to each other. And that's a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful place to find ourselves in. And so attitude is central to the Christian way of life. Our attitude is central to the way we live our lives here on earth. We are in the world, but not of the world. We are set apart. We have light that we need to shine. Attitude makes a difference. Oneness of attitude is the principle here. An attitude is a habit of thinking, a bearing in life. So I leave us with these questions. What is your mental orientation toward others? What is your mental orientation towards me, towards your neighbor, towards a man who has lots of money, towards a man on the street who does not have any money? What is your orientation towards them? In whatever level it might be. Could it be bitterness towards each other because of differences? Could it be, be uh, resentful because that man is higher than I am? Or he has more than I have? 
whatever it might be, can I ask us to deal with it decisively? To decide to deal with it decisively. Put ourselves back and say, actually, no, no more. Enough is enough. I want to walk this road well with my brothers and sisters. Yes, you may have wronged me. I forgive you. But I'm going to walk this road in a way that brings glory to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Are we happy with that? Now this is not just a challenge to the church. It's a challenge to the church at large. And I'm included in that as well. Let us watch our attitudes wherever we find ourselves. It is very, very important. This same, some of the same engineer that I was speaking to made a comment once before that I'll never forget. He said this to me, Joe, your attitude determines your altitude. Your attitude determines your altitude. And I dare say that it's the same in the body of Christ, in the kingdom of God. Our attitudes and how we foresee the, the work of God in our lives determines how we are positioned or how we, we move along with this um, road that God has called us to be on. Today God says, I bring, I give you, I bring you options, I give you choices. You either choose life or you choose death. The choice is yours. Father, thank you for your word. I thank you, Lord, for making us different in our thinking, in our abilities, Father, in our disposition in life, God. I thank you, Lord, for the differences, Father. And I pray, God, that you'd help us to celebrate the differences. Celebrate the differences, God. And not be so stuck up in ways that we think we are it. We are better than the next, Father. May our differences, God, bring glory to your holy name, God. And where we are proud, we repent. We repent, God. And we ask Jesus, by your Holy Spirit, that you would help us. To remain humble because this brings glory to your most holy name. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.